0: Hello, everyone. It's Raquel Arc. It's time to work smarter and feel better together. Welcome back to your listening superpower podcast, where we explore listening as a superpower that transforms communication into connection, both at work and at home. Listen in on inspiring conversations with authors, scientists and leaders that will open your mind about what is possible. And give you communication tools for your leadership toolbox that you can use right away. Let's have fun discovering and growing our listening superpower together. What if having a quiet nature could actually be a hidden leadership strength? In episode 53 of your Listening Superpower podcast, author Megumi Miki shares what she discovered while writing her award-winning business book, Quietly Powerful, diving into the potential of quieter professionals to be great leaders. She also believes that listening is a leadership responsibility for everyone, not just a nice thing that you do when you have time. Megumi is a speaker and consultant in leadership and culture, as well as diversity and inclusion. She also has a background in strategy, economics, and finance. You'll enjoy this episode as she challenges the status quo in leadership to unlock hidden talent and the collective potential. Enjoy listening in. Megumi, welcome to the Listening Superpower podcast. Thank you so much, Rico. To start the podcast, you probably have listened a few times. We always start off with one question, and that is, when did you start to notice the power of listening, whether it worked or it didn't work?
1: I think it started from when it didn't work, Raquel, where, um when I really started to notice how I felt when I wasn't listened to and how I felt like I was not very interesting or I start to have these little inner voices in the head saying, Oh, I mustn't be very interesting. I, but also feeling disrespected because people might be looking around and talking thinking about other things. I just felt I don't want to do that to other people. So that's probably the very beginnings of it. The other thing is I'm a Japanese, I have a Japanese background, but I'm Australian born and uh, I grew up with Japanese parents and I had to work with both languages. And what I found myself doing is I had to listen very carefully to both languages because neither of them were perfect. So the way that I I remember at school actually when I'd be listening to say English and I just didn't understand one or two words, I had to listen even more to try and get all the rest of the context to work out, work out what the word that what that word meant and what the whole conversation was about. So I do remember those moments where I really had to listen hard to understand what was going on.
0: Yeah, and I was just thinking about those situations because I also work with a lot of people who are working their second language. I mean, even myself, living in a different country, often the fear of not understanding and the f- fear of not being understood. and And sometimes when we're worried about that, then that also kicks in our <laughs> fight or flight type of um experience which doesn't help the situation even further because we're worried about that and it's um but it's but in one sense um once we're aware of that and how to work with it there actually we can really use that to our benefit and this is part of what you tap into
1: yeah i think so and i think i trained myself to really listen to the whole rather than just the words And so I became much more sensitive to the body language and the tone and all the things that people were saying or not saying. And I do feel that that's trained myself well in terms of listening. And I know that uh, as a facilitator or a coach or, you know, running workshops and things, people have said to me that I listen well and I also seem to synthesize whatever's been talked about really well. And I wonder whether that's my early training in really trying to get to the essence of what's being talked about, because I don't have the full vocabulary. So I thought that was really interesting in reflection.
0: I don't know if you remember, but when you look back at that time, do you remember a specific moment where you recognized this, where your mindset shifted from, oh, I don't understand to, oh, wait, there's something here. And... I might. There's some power here that I didn't realize before. You know, the from victim to power, maybe.
1: Mm, mm. Yeah, I don't think I realized um, in my childhood because <laughs> I just was struggling because I, I moved around a lot. Raquel, as a child, I went went to um, eight different schools in three different countries, and I found that I was an outsider a lot of the times. And so it was. I was just in survival mode for most of the time, and really staying under the radar. And and really, when you're in survival mode. It's like, um, you know, animals in the safari when you're not the lion. You know, you have your ears really pricked up and you're really listening to what's going on. So I think that's a survival kind of listening. But I think when I did realise how much of a super was, was more when I started to work. When I had, uh, there's a particular workshop that I do remember getting this feedback and there was probably a group of about 30 or so managers in a room and they were talking about some issues that were going on in that team and the organisation and they were just going through quite a, a problem solving process. I started to think about what people were saying and even though I didn't fully understand the content of what they were talking about because I don't work in that field, I just got the gist of the important aspects of what they were talking about and I started to just scribble it on a whiteboard and say, so I think these are the things that are going on and these are how it relates. And then somebody said, oh, my God, how did you do that? <laughs> and I don't know how I did it. <laughs> but it's just that, that uh, I guess, trained skill of really listening to what's the essence and what, how does it relate and how does it show up in this particular group? How are they talking about it? So I think it's just that. So I did notice... When I got that feedback, I thought, oh, this is a real superpower that I can use. Well, what an important, I don't know, message here
0: for even listeners of the podcast, just to pay attention to, because often people feel like they need to be an expert to bring value to the group, to the team, to the meeting. And if I don't know everything, then how can I say something? But what you're talking about is just to take in the, the essence, the big picture, just the important themes that are showing up and to make it visible even on a whiteboard or, you know, writing it down so that it clicks. Because often, you know, in these meetings, people are just talking and they don't really fully, they're not really fully capturing what's really happening because they're so busy about thinking about their perspective. They're not really listening to everything that's going on.
1: What I often see is I often describe it as a ping pong match, that they're all speaking (laughs) at each other (laughs) and no one's taking the time to hold the ball and say, what was that about? (laughs) <laughs> and, yeah, so, and the ball's like
0: flying over the no
1: one's catching it and so I do think that if I can support that as uh as a facilitator in the group but also if the team can start to learn to be less of a ping pong ball but actually hold the ball and, and take it in and listen I think that would make a huge difference in terms of not only problem solving, but productivity. Because, I mean, how often do you go to meetings and you finish and people hadn't actually heard what you said or what other people have said and you have to repeat the meeting again? So
0: well, I just heard that yesterday. And Yesterday I was doing a training and then that exact situation someone's like, well, this is really good with communication, but, you know, we talk about things, we agree, and then the next day nothing's done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's so much inefficiency. Cool. <laughs> so how, what what really happened there is it because people did not want to do it is it because they didn't say were you know didn't agree and just didn't say at the meeting is it because what one person perceived was different than what the other perceived you know there's so many different layers to find out what really happened in that situation were the expectations not realistic you know so there's a lot of things that need to happen like if you think about I mean I know you work as a facilitator and a coach and you work with teams and with managers and if you were to give some tips or advice to some a team lead, the one who's facilitating, you know, not the, an external facilitator, but more of an internal person who's normally the person who's who might be or she might perceive herself as the one that needs to give the answers. But what if they don't have to give the answers? They're more about synthesizing what's happening in the group. What would you
1: say or what would be some tips that could help them do that? Yeah, I think it's really challenging when you know the content to just jump into what you know. But I think the tip would be to stay curious because whatever you know is, and if you continue to speak, that's all you get, what you know. But if you actually listen, then you might learn something new. But it does take a bit more effort because what it means when you listen is that you have to integrate both what you're thinking and what other people are saying. So I think it takes more more courage, more skill, and more um, intellectual brain power to listen and to incorporate that that other people's thinking. Um, the other thing though, in terms of a tip, is if you know that I love this quote about um, leaders who don't listen will eventually end up with people with nothing to say. And I do think that that does happen, where especially leaders who do a lot of the talking and don't listen to people, then people just say, well, why bother? So then then you've missed out on a whole lot of wisdom, but also it could be that you miss critical information that could cause some real issues in the organisation or the team, or it could be that you can't support somebody who's struggling. So there's a lot of issues that can come out if you create an environment where you're not listening and therefore people don't speak to you. So I think that mindset of, I actually believe that listening is a leadership responsibility, not just a, a nice thing to do when there's t- some time to to listen. So uh, for, in terms of um, up and coming leaders, but also senior leaders, I think creating that space in terms of mental and uh, energetic space, if you like, to be fully present is going to be more and more important.
0: So what you're talking about is also leaders who tend to talk a lot and how to maybe shift that mindset of how to change the dynamics in the team so that they do have input from their team members, they do have their team members who are engaged or who are excited about what they're doing, not just getting the job done. And I'd like to shift over to, I guess, your book and towards the other topic. And you have a book that's called Quietly Powerful. And here the focus is a little bit more on people who might be quieter and yet um, that they also or definitely have a huge potential to be powerful leaders. And often in the business world, we don't always see those people, but there is a, so much potential. So I'd love to know what motivated you, motivated you or drove you to kind of look at this topic of being a powerful leader or people who are quiet being powerful leaders. Mm.
1: Yeah, I suppose the connection with listening is that every single quietly powerful leader that I interviewed for the book said listening was their absolute leadership strength. So there's a definite connection here. But in terms of why I started uh, thinking about this idea is a personal and a professional reason. So, the personal reason is I've always been a quieter person. And um, I have found that, that I always thought that that was a disadvantage and that, you know, I'll, I'll never be a great leader because I'm quiet. And, and those sorts of voices were in my head. On top of that, I'd get. Told you know you need to be more confident and you need to speak up more and all of these things which actually didn't help me at all. So if there are listeners who actually have said that to other people like be more confident, please stop doing that because that's actually really unhelpful. But uh, yeah, so so for me, I struggled earlier on in my career and I thought you know there's something in it that. While I can see sometimes that my quieter nature and that, as I shared with you, some of that listening and synthesizing, that's something that I do well. I never thought that that was useful in a a leadership context or progressing my career until I came about a colleague of mine who pointed something out to me and that, that was an occasion where a colleague of mine and I were co-facilitating a workshop so it's not quite in a leadership context but in a in my career I eventually worked into the leadership consulting and facilitation so I was co-facilitating with a colleague who was the opposite end of me so he was like the most gregarious entertaining getting people to laugh you know that kind of facilitator and the two of us were facilitating he started off a a session and he had the whole group in laughter in the first two minutes and he was having a lot of fun with the group and they're all laughing and I was sitting to the side waiting for my part to start and these little voices started again going, oh, my God, I'm so boring compared to him and I'm just, you know, what am I going to do? I'm going to disengage the group and no one's going to laugh at me or laugh at the the discussion thinking, oh, you know, I'm just going to stuff this up. But anyway, I, and this is after quite a few years of facilitating my So I was already used to the skill of facilitating. So it wasn't like I was bad at it. So I did my part. And then a colleague of mine who was sitting in the room she, who knew me very well, she came up to me during the break and said, Megumi, what's going on? You're not quite yourself today. And I just said to her, oh, you know, working with my colleague who's so entertaining and really fun to work with, I just thought, oh, you know, I'm not as good as him. And she looked me in the eye and she just said, Nagumi, the fact that the two of you are so different is what makes you valuable. You know, don't try and be like him. Just do you and be the bring the best of you. Otherwise, people are missing out. And so that was a moment where I thought, oh, I, I intellectually knew that I needed to be fully authentic and use what I have. But it was the moment where I really got that I needed to work on that. So that sort of kicked off the, the journey for me to uncover what I could bring in my own way. So that was my personal reason.
0: I love that. I love that story. And to bring you, bring Megumi, because often we're comparing to the other, but that really yeah. limits our potential and what we can That's bring it. to the group.
1: That's, yeah. It. That's it. Yeah. It's wonderful. And, and often that voice gets in the way of me being present. And so my superpower of listening and synthesizing all that goes out the door. And so, you know, I'm not using what I have. And so that was my personal reason. And then the professional reason was having worked in the leadership and organizational culture type of field for a good 20 years. I did notice that the leaders that I saw were more of the traditional, you know, outspoken, dominating type of people. But then occasionally I'd spot some leaders who were a little bit different to that. And I really loved working with them. And I thought, why don't we have more of those leaders? (laughs) And I thought, I need to find out more. And so I started to investigate a bit more, just learn from these leaders how they managed to progress in their careers, being quieter. And so I started interviewing very successful leaders, people in the C-suite, partners in professional services firms, Olympians, Paralympians, uh, senior leaders in the military, police, there there quite a range of sectors, not-for-profits and so on who've succeeded using their quiet leadership strengths and i thought oh this is really useful for me personally to grow but also i thought well i think we need more of these leaders and i started off with uh, interviewing people that i knew and uh, one of them was a manager that i work with and it was one person i really remember enjoying working with and and he really got the best out of me i thought You really need more of these leaders. And that's that's where it started from a professional perspective.
0: So, just to circle back, so this, you started to notice, you started reaching out and you talked to people across all areas. And to circle back to what you said at the beginning of the podcast. The co- one of the common themes or what everyone said was listening. I'd like to know more about that because often when we think of listening, we think of something very, it's just this word. We think it's something word, but when we dive into listening, listening is huge <laughs> and has so many layers, so many facets. It's just all of a sudden it's like <laughs> everywhere <laughs> and can penetrate everywhere, can be integrated into everything. At least this has been my surprise. I'm um, getting into listening. But perhaps you can think about some examples from your interviews that share how that listening played into their abilities to lead successfully.
1: So I think of two sides in listening. One is the creating a listening environment where you have something to listen to. Because as as we said before about, um, you know, if leaders don't listen, then you create all these people around you who won't speak to you anymore. they they don't have anything to say so that creating of that listening environment and that was very evident from the people that I spoke to that um, a number of people talked about how people would just come up to them and talk about all sorts of things and so there was this environment that they created where people felt free to speak to them And, and I'm sure you know about psychological safety that's one aspect of it but I've actually been working with some colleagues on an idea called Leaders Who Listen. We think that it's not just about the safety, but it's also the space that they create. Because they don't over talk, they create the space. Because they're present, people feel they can actually share something. And because they're mentally flexible and open, they feel that they will get listened to, therefore they'll speak if that makes sense. So their listening quality and their presence actually creates an environment where people will speak to them and they have something to listen to. So that's one side of the, the coin, I think.
0: If they're creating that space where people, it's not only that people feel comfortable to speak, but I'm wondering if you know, often when people are a little bit worried about what they're gonna say, we tend to talk in circles at the surface instead of really getting to the issue. Or we may be stressed out and therefore we're not thinking clearly to what the real issue is. You know, some of the research shows that if we really, our quality of listening will help the speaker have a clearer way of thinking. They'll think, they have more complex th- thoughts, not, you know, just one focus. So if a leader does that, then it could be that they get to the real issues or the real, the complexity <laughs> or the simplicity in the complexity sooner
1: than they would otherwise. And in the long run, that saves a lot of time. Yeah, I think so. It saves a lot of time in, in the long run. But I also think that you solve the right problems. Because <laughs> so often, <laughs> we're in, we, we often end up hearing a problem, going to solution, hearing a problem, going to solution, and then the problem keeps on going. And so we're firefighting all the time. That's what I hear of a lot of leaders. Well, it's actually if we slowed down, created the space, and also intentionally listen and create the safety and all of those things, then you actually get to exactly what you said. You get to a deeper place. You have the ability to get to more of the, the issues and the uh, not so much the symptoms, the, the root cause or root causes, the entire system, what's going on, and then you get to solve the right problem. And then you might prevent future problems. So it may not even be a long term, yeah, it may not even be a long term benefit. It can be a short term benefit Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, so thanks. Now you were gonna talk about the other side
1: of the coin. So let's go to the yeah, other yeah. side of the coin. Yeah, so mm-hmm. the other side of the coin is the actual listening. And I do think that the the listening when people do speak to you, you can listen but not think about what people have listened to. So there's like a There's a few gaps that can happen when you're listening where you might understand all the words that they said but you don't really understand what they said (laughs) or you you understood it but you don't get influenced by what they said so you actually haven't thought about it and integrated into your thinking or or you don't take any action as a result of what you've actually heard and, and been influenced by so i again one of those quotes is um, listening is the uh, willingness to be changed or willingness to be influenced or something along those lines. And so um, I do think that you can hear all the words, but if you're not influenced, then you're not really listening. And, so I think what yeah. you
0: just a few months ago, I'd like to go back to what you just said. You said something really, really important. And I want to just point this out to our, to our listeners. We may listen, but we don't take time to think about what we just listened to. Like it doesn't, it's like at the surface, but it doesn't really, if I have an image, it's like getting into ourselves and then we can chew on it or food that we're eating and we can chew on it and then swallow it and decide what we do, what, if we like it or not like it or what flavors it was. We don't do that. And perhaps that is one of the biggest challenges and why we tend to be in hamster wheels because we never, either we don't create the space for that to be possible because of time, pressure, or just too much information all at once. Or we just don't take the time because we're going from one meeting to the other. So we don't take time to let sink in what just happened before we transition to the next, or we're still in the old one and not really ready for the new one. And I wonder if that has a lot to do with it, but if we would take,
1: create that even space for ourselves to do that, that would have a huge
0: Mm. impact. Mm. Mm.
1: And also I would add the space to be present as well. So even if you have a short amount of time, I think this is one of the things that people often say, or I've heard leaders say, is I don't have time to listen. But I actually recently ran a listening masterclass where I got people to act, uh, some listening activities, where I got people to listen to somebody for two minutes. And they had an enormous impact in terms of the person speaking, feeling listened to. And so, in two minutes, by being fully present, you can have an enormous impact. And so I think there's a there's a, a real misunderstanding about what does how much time do you need to listen. Actually, you can be listening for two minutes and make a huge impact. so I'd, I'd add that on top of the space to think about things as well. But I guess coming back to the quietly powerful leaders, their natural tendency is being a little quieter. So what they naturally do is create this airspace for people to speak and, and really be able to share things. But on top of that, their tendency is to think about things. And so they take it in and they think about it. And um, And I can share with you an example of um, a CIO, a chief information officer who was in um a very very busy government department and they were having to invent and create new things all the time because the environment was shifting and one of the things that he used to do was to if he had an idea he would give it to his executive team and say I'm having this idea I it could be completely wrong I'm not quite sure but I really want you to come back and let me know what you think and let's let's talk it through because I'm I'm really not sure the executive team will come back and they would really thrash it out and and work through it together and and come up up with a much better solution. And so he created that environment of challenging up without any concern. So the the team members were quite happy to challenge the, the boss. And then on top of that, he would listen to that and actually change his thinking as a result of what he heard. And so the team felt really listened to, felt really empowered And I actually interviewed some of the team members and they said it's the best executive team they've ever worked in. And I actually think, I actually think it's not only this whole listening, it's not just about the information that people gather through listening and you know thinking about it. It's not just a cognitive thing, but it's also a relational thing. Because people felt listened to and they were taken seriously and they felt that they mattered, they really wanted to be part of the team so i think there's a relational aspect that came out of that not just about the the ideas and the information that comes out of listening i was just
0: thinking he's created a space where there's not an expectation of outcomes so it allows things to be pliable to move to some to a new idea and maybe a better idea you're getting a lot of, you're creating a safe space so people can um feel safe to share and challenge each other. And because there's a potential of things changing and, and that environment is there, then they're all in that mode instead of this, this ping pong table and this ping pong back and
1: forth. So it's really beautiful. So that was a really good example. And there were many other leaders who talked about examples, you know, hearing about issues early enough so they can address it. I think that's a big issue in organizations these days. They end up in the newspaper because some issue pops up and they didn't know about it and they couldn't address it. So, you know, you think that you would think by seeing all that media attention that leaders would really think that creating that listening environment and actually listening is important. But, um, you know, it's it's not yet there, I don't think. You know, that's what
0: they there's, you know, this whole thing about the CEO bubble or CIO, the bubble around when the higher you get up into your in your position that you have this bubble around you where people will only tell you what they think you want to hear and not, you know, the reality of some things. And and the higher you get into the position, the more you have to really work at getting outside that bubble. Um, Do you have any, um, did you hear any stories about what leaders might have done to try to break that bubble or move past that bubble to be able to listen and catch maybe these uh, critical
1: topics before they just surprise them in the news. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I I suppose that's what I heard from the quietly powerful leaders who said that people would just come and talk to me. You know, they talk about all sorts of things, including issues, including what's concerning them, including when they're struggling. So to me, that's the power of that approach where they created both safety and space for people to come and speak to them. And some of them were CEOs, and some of them were partners, very senior partners in professional services firms. But I suppose what they did was, even though they had the status or the, the position or power, which can cause people to censor their what they say, they created, and, and part of it is about them being humble and curious, but also they would often be um, quite, they're, they're quite inviting in terms of, you know, just challenge me because I, I, I don't think I'm always right. That that kind of tone really helped them to create the environment so that, you know, that reduces the likelihood of being in the bubble. And even then, though, it is difficult, isn't it? Because people tend to not want to challenge those people in power. And uh, so often when I work with senior leaders, I talk about the impact of their power and rank Uh, In terms of that creating that listening environment, you actually have to work extra hard, because even if you're the nicest person in the world, simply by having that positional title or whatever, there's, there's other reasons why you might have power and rank, that diminishes people's comfort in speaking with you. Even if you're like the the most nice, the gentle, the most you know open and welcoming type of person, and um, yeah, I think senior leaders particularly need to be very conscious of that.
0: Yeah, so it's just good to be aware of that to see how how that that is there. It's part of the process. What are you going to do with it? You know. So we so talking about senior leaders. Let's move to the other direction to to people who are just starting their career. There's two things. Um. For people who are just starting off in their their leadership positions or who will be who are just starting off in team lead positions or who have a goal to do that. Because I hear a lot of these, you know, people either that's their first time being a team lead or their first time being team lead, team lead of team leads, <laughs> you know. So there's there's two different levels there. There's two things I was just thinking about right now. Number one is what are the reasons that people are quiet? Um, because it would be good to understand that so that we also recognize the power of hiring people into these leadership roles, even if they're quiet. And then the flip side of people who are quiet, who want to go into le- leadership roles, what is important for them to pay attention to and what
1: can they do in order to be seen as a leader? Um, so start with the first one. Why are people quiet? I think often we tend to assume that when somebody's quiet, they're an introvert, and that's a big mistake. So I often tell my story about, yes, I'm more of an introvert than an extrovert, but I'm not an extreme introvert. But I've always been quiet, and part of it is conditioning. I was brought up to be seen, not heard. And culturally, being a Japanese person, uh, generally speaking, kids are meant to be seen not heard and so I got praised for being being quieter and and mild and meek and in fact there's a word in Japanese called otonashi, which means you're mild and meek and that's something you say to a child and it's almost a praise it's not always a praise but it's generally a praise what I realized as I grew up is the literal translation of that is adult-like If you think about it, it's actually quite a compliment and a a useful thing. I suppose conditioning in terms of upbringing, in terms of how you're brought up and, you know, some families you get told to, to be quiet and things like that. Or um, I've also heard when I've spoken to different people, some have said that they had a Catholic upbringing and when they were going to school, they were always told to be quiet and, and all of that. So that was an upbringing. And then there's also what we've been talking about just then about the power dynamics and how people feel with other people. It could be a hierarchical thing. Many, many people say they get really anxious when they're uh, speaking with a group of people and there's some, somebody senior in a room. So that might be one. But the other d- dynamic that could happen in a team is, you know how sometimes you have in groups, or quite often, you have in groups and out groups. Yeah, so in groups, who just get on really well, it's a bit of a clique. And uh, there are some people who don't, Who maybe they're new, so they don't feel comfortable speaking to people yet. Or it might be that they don't feel like they belong. And so... Um, Or it could be a a diversity and inclusion thing where, you know, you're the only woman or you're the only person of color or whatever it is. And so that might cause you to feel a little uncomfortable. So there's lots and lots of reasons, not just introversion, that causes people to be quieter. Nice.
0: So so, so let's say that some of our listeners here are some of these quieter people, but they're really, they see themselves in a leadership position. What would you like to advise? Would you like to give people starting off? who might be quiet leaders and what they can maybe start doing to
1: develop this superpower. Mm, mm, mm. So the work I do with people, it really hangs off the, the interviews that I had with quietly powerful leaders and what I noticed about them, about what they, uh, what they had as attributes, if you like. And so my suggestion to people who are quieter and, and want to progress into leadership positions is really to develop and cultivate these attributes. The first one is around being really comfortable in your own skin. That includes, rather than saying quiet as a disadvantage, see the superpower about being quiet and using that to, to, to benefit others, to use that for, to benefit yourself and the team and so on. So it's about appreciating yourself fully, not just about the things that you thought you feel are your strengths. It's also about what you might currently perceive as your weaknesses. Actually, there's some usefulness in that. So you appreciate yourself fully. So getting comfortable in yourself that way. So that would be one. Second thing is learn to be present, which is connected to our conversation about listening. And it is related to the, the getting comfortable because when you're more comfortable as you would know you're more relaxed and you're able to be present as opposed to when you're panicking and thinking about oh, what should i say and what you know getting all anxious about am i saying the right thing and so on then you lose your presence that being comfortable allows you to be even more present so i think that second attribute is very powerful and i noticed that of all the leaders that i interviewed whenever I was interviewing them, they were just fully there with me. And, and they often talked about stories where they would have very deep uh, connections with people because of their presence, because they connect with people, they listen to people, they present to people. So, so that's the second attribute. And the third one is about being purposeful. And I think that's particularly useful for quieter people if they wish to become leaders where i heard from the quietly powerful leaders many of them said that they never thought of themselves as leaders earlier on in their career they all they they actually said oh yeah i'm probably too quiet to be a leader or they just didn't see any leadership potential in themselves and somebody tapped them on the shoulder Um, i'll tell you the story about one of the leaders who said oh you know i I was an accountant you know i was going to be an accountant and i'll be an accountant forever and then the ceo of that firm um, the country CEO of that firm actually told her that she will be the CEO of that country, uh, the, uh, the country um, head at some point in time. And she said, oh, no, 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 I'm just an accountant. <laughs> and then he said to her, you know, you have something that many others don't, and that is your ability to connect with people and relate to people. She just said, "Oh, oh, oh," and then she did end up being the country head. So, so that's an incredible story. She didn't see herself as a leader, but when tapped on the shoulder and and also given opportunities to make a difference in different ways, that's when she really stepped in. And so that's the third attribute about being purposeful. So often these leaders they don't go into leadership positions for themselves. You know, often you see leaders going in to gain power, to to um, get attention, to have control. But um, these leaders, they go in because they see some way of contributing to something greater than themselves. And often that pulls you into doing things that you might be uncomfortable with. And that pulls you into doing things that might not naturally come to you. You just learn the skills to do that. So, so that gives you the ability to be effective in leadership.
0: I love the story. And that really bridges into when for people who are trying to look at, find people in the organization that have potential people leadership to also pay attention to those people who may not realize that in themselves, but they do have this ability to connect with people. And what if you were to notice these people and then tap them on the shoulder and then support them with the skills that they need to grow into
1: those areas? Yeah, so often I think we we assume confidence as competence. And yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether you've come across Dr. Chiver. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> I even said that the other day. I'm like, confidence does not mean competence. <laughs> he, I remember him saying in one of the, you know, he, he does, he publishes a lot of podcasts and webinars and things. Um, I remember him saying something about the overlap between confidence and competence is about 9%. <laughs> you go, okay, so why are we looking? Why do we look for people who are confident? And why do we say things like, oh, well, they were really confident in an interview. That's just a performance. Or <laughs> yep. just work on your confidence. Why don't you work yeah. on
0: the competence I know, part? <laughs> I know. And, uh,
1: yeah. you know, as a quieter person, I used to get told, you know, you need to be more confident. It's like, well, that's yeah. not very helpful. <laughs>
0: oh is there is there a question that I haven't asked you or something that else that you would like to say to our listeners before we close out the podcast today
1: I think a a cheeky comment about just because you're quiet doesn't mean you listen well (laughs) so (laughs) so challenging the quiet people too (laughs) yeah, yeah absolutely so um and this is my own realization but also working with people One of the things that uh, quieter people often say is, you know, I feel the pressure to speak up because they've been told to speak up and, and so on. And, or they've been told to be more confident. And so they really worry about how they might come across. And so because they're worrying, they're not really present. And so they're not actually listening and present in the room. So they miss a whole lot of stuff that's going in the room and therefore they can't contribute value. And so I, I picked that up in myself uh, many, many years ago, where I would be worrying about, oh, is this the right thing to say? Uh, what if they think it's really stupid? You know, all those things. So it might be anxiety. Or I could be listening to a group going, I'm getting impatient that we're not getting through things. So that might be another. Or I might be listening to somebody going, I don't know exactly what you need to do. <laughs> so you have the solution in mind so i might not be saying anything and you know luckily i have a japanese face that looks like i'm listening but actually i'm not (laughs) and so i gradually more and more i caught myself doing that and you know I, i really sort of managed to to catch myself and go okay no 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 that's that's for later you know come back to the room be fully present and 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 trusting myself that the right thing to say will come to me. I think that's the that's the key. Yeah, so if you notice,
0: start becoming aware if your mind is busy, if your mind is busy, you're probably not listening. So yeah, just exactly. to be aware and get back to being present. So this, it's been such a lovely conversation. How can people get in contact with you, Mugumi?
1: Yeah, so um, best place to find me is is on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, and I don't think there's many Megumi Mickeys around, so you can look me up on LinkedIn. Um, The other place is I have a website called quietlypowerful.com.au. So it's with an AU. And uh, and there's a lot of resources, including, um, you know, you can download a couple of chapters of the book, um, the Quietly Powerful book, and there's a few little short clips of the Quietly Powerful Leader interviews, you know, all sorts of things like that. So you might learn about that in the website.
0: And we'll add those to the notes in the podcast. So if anybody wants to go to the notes, you'll also see these links there. Megumi, it was such a pleasure to uh, speak with you and enjoy your
1: presence. Thank you very much, Rico. I really enjoyed it too.
0: You have just enjoyed your Listening Superpower podcast, where we dive into how to work smarter and feel better at work and at home. This is an independent show, so please show your support by subscribing, leaving a five-star review, and telling your friends. Also, if you or somebody you know has experienced Listening Superpowers being put into practice, email me at superpower at gmail.com or send a voicemail at plus four, nine, one, seven, three, two, three, four, zero, seven, two, two. If you want your team to grow their listening superpowers, you can find more information at listeningalchemy.com. I'm your host, Raquel Arc. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Cecilia Mercado for your amazing podcast production. Dorte Streischer for your impactful artwork and Ivo Tiemann for your inspiring music. It's been fun and see you guys on the next episode.